Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. You know, I hate to keep talking about Donald Trump, but he's made history again. The first president to be impeached twice, the first former president to be indicted twice so far, and now the first former president to be dumped on by his former attorney general, chief of staff, national security advisor, and defense secretary. (laughs) The big question is, if Trump is that toxic, how can the majority of Republicans still want to give him a second term, God forbid? Or are we starting to see some movement away from Trump? Well, nobody keeps track of this schizophrenic Republican Party better than today's guest, former conservative Republican talk show host from Wisconsin, Charlie Sykes, who's now editor-in-chief of the great news and opinion website, The Bulwark. Charlie Sykes, welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. It's good to reconnect with you. It is great to be here. Well, you know... You know what they say, politics makes strange bedfellows. (laughs) And as you point out in one of the uh, bulwark uh, morning shots, by the way, my goal, Charlie, is that every listener to the Bill Press Pod also be a subscriber to the bulwark. Okay, so let's let's make that happen. You're Uh, a gentleman and a scholar. No, I would not think of starting the day uh, without the bulwark. Uh, so congratulations on, on, a, on a great product. Great job. So, uh, But as you pointed out, today we are, in the, those of us who are concerned about the possibility of a, God forbid, second Trump presidency, now uh, have to take fellowship with some of the people who were Trump's biggest enablers at one time, right? Bill Barr, John mm-hmm. Bolton, mm-hmm. John Kelly, Chris Christie. Whoa. So what do we do about that, Charlie? Well, it requires a healthy gag reflex, (laughs) I think. But the the analogy that I keep coming back to is um, that, you know, we we face a lot of different threats and problems. uh, But what we face right now is a heart attack. Maybe some of the other issues are cancer. uh, But right right now it is urgent and we and we need all the allies we can get. So. I never thought that I would be starting one of my newsletters by extensively quoting Bill Barr, but but here we are. Or, or that the uh, most interesting candidate in the presidential race is Chris Christie. Yeah. But they're doing something that is important. They are talking to the voters that actually might make a difference. And look, I, look Chris Christie has no shot to be get this nomination. Let's make that clear. But he could still be the most consequential candidate in the race because he is taking on the apex predator. And he's the only one who's doing it right now. And if he draws some blood and that apex predator starts stumbling, who knows what might happen? And then there's Bill Barr, who is, as I described him this morning, he's the it's the call coming from inside the House that at a time when the Department of Justice is under fire from the right, there's of all people Bill Barr standing up and saying, no, this guy's not a victim. He's, uh, he's in trouble because he created this problem, because he lied, he was deceitful, and he obstructed justice. Bill Barr 
John Bolton, John Kelly, Chris Christie, Mark Esper. Why did they all fall for Trump in the first place? Wow, isn't that a great question? Hmm. I think there's a lot of different answers. I actually sat down with John Bolton a few months ago and I asked him, you know, what the F were you thinking when you did this? And, <laughs> you know, everybody has a different rationalization. Some of them just think, you know, I want to be in the room where it happens. I think I can make this person better. Um, maybe some of them is just the, it's the ego. It's the desire to be around power. But it is interesting now watching people like Bill Barr, who did so much to cover up for Donald Trump, to empower him, to now say that he's shocked. He's just you know, amazed to find out this guy is a petulant, uh, narcissistic child. I mean, if only he'd been warned. Right. And so we don't know what motivated them. It might, might have been just a lust for power, as yeah, you point sure. out, too, right? But how about what's wrong with some of the others? Well, I mean, what's wrong... Look, Kevin McCarthy's not stupid, right? I mean, mm. he knows. Yeah, he, yeah. he can't believe all this crap about Trump. What's wrong with some of the others who, who, despite what we know, stay loyal, so loyal to Trump? I, I want to work up to the word coward um, because I, think, I do think there's an incredible power of rationalization, uh, particularly when power is at stake. And this is the nature of the Faustian bargain, of course, that that a lot of people made back after the election, you know, back in 2016, including people like Paul Ryan. And the Faustian bargain is that you get a lot of things that you want, right? I mean, you get uh, wealth, yeah. you get beautiful women. The problem is that the price tag turns out to be much greater than what you thought. But after years and years and years of sort of carving off little slices of your soul and going along with this and going along with that and ignoring this, after a while, I think it probably becomes easier. Or because you have so much sunken cost, you're just in so deep, you can't get out. And, mm -hmm. and then, of course, there's the overlay of political cowardice. I do wonder, Bill, whether or not, I mean, you, you know how the political world works. There's a herd mentality. That if there was a collective, you know, rush to denounce all of this, that a lot of these people would would join the herd. Um, but so far, there hasn't been that rush, and none of them want to be the first person. They're all afraid of becoming the next Liz Cheney or becoming the next Adam Kinzinger. When in fact, as it turns out, that's not really the worst thing in the world. But it is, I guess, from Kevin McCarthy's point of view. I guess I'm not surprised that some of them. Um, forget about their principles if they had any to begin with. What does surprise me is what counts more than anything for any politicians, I don't necessarily say this critically, is winning, right? It's winning. I mean, to me, the strongest argument that I hear, uh, and Paul Ryan is the one maybe who makes it more than others, about against Donald Trump is we want to win, and he is not a winner. They So do you think McCarthy and others really believe they can win with Donald Trump? Well, I think that Kevin McCarthy probably thinks he cannot win without Donald Trump. I mean, I, rem <laughs> I, I remember, I remember, a, I remember a, a conversation um, that I had with Paul Ryan when he was still the speaker, and uh, you know, he was trying to explain what he was doing, and he said, you know, the reality is, is that two thirds of my caucus are are you know hardcore MAGA. So basically, if I go against Donald Trump, he didn't say this, you know, I mean, I'm done, I'm, yeah. you know, and I, you know, at a certain point, you know, he was done anyway. But <laughs> I, I, I think to a certain extent, you, you become, you know, you, you've given yourself a, up as a hostage and, you know, you have, you have, uh, you've woven your own fetters. I mean, that's a bad analogy, but I mean, you've, you've basically, you, you've changed yourself uh, to, to this and, there, and there's no way out. There's no easy way out. 
which is again, this is what's so distressing because they have had so many off ramps. They have had so many opportunities to take it and they haven't taken it. They could have, after the election, they could have taken an off ramp after January 6th, taken an off ramp after so many things. And yet they just won't do it. And I think part of it, Bill, is they engage in this magical thinking. They think that, well, something, something, something unicorn, and maybe he'll die. And maybe we won't have to take a stand and, and, and this cup will pass from us. And it, you know, hasn't happened so far. Short of a heart attack, um, do you believe that, look, we know Trump is now twice impeached, twice indicted, but there are other indictments certain to fall, whether it's Georgia or, again, the Department of Justice on January 6th or whatever. Do you think Trump survives uh, as a candidate despite the totality of if all the indictments fall? Well that, well, that, of course, is the most interesting and most important question of this election cycle, that one right there. Uh, yeah. Nobody knows the answer to that. I mean, there's part of me that says that the cumulative weight of this will be so great uh, that, he, that he can't survive. On the other hand, what we're seeing is the almost limitless capacity of the Republican Party to continue to embrace him tighter, the worse it gets. Now, that's why I think these voices from inside the House are so important. I mean, it's, you know, you and I can rail about this, you know, the resistance can rail about it, MSNBC can rail about it. But when you have, you know, people like John Bolton or John Kelly or Mike Pompeo or Mike Esper, you know, Bill Barr, Mike Pence saying, you know, telling conservatives, telling other conservatives, as a conservative, this is disastrous to us and to the country maybe it'll start to, you know, have some, some, uh, you know, get some traction. But until it happens, I think there's reason to be skeptical, you'd be skeptical. You know, now you're asking in terms of of his candidacy as a Republican. I honestly, despite the polls, cannot believe that a convicted felon can win a general election in America. I cannot believe that Donald Trump will be able to bring back those swing voters. And I think that smart Republicans understand this. They're just unwilling to engage in the collective action they need to, to prevent that fate. Um, I want to ask you, and Bill Barr has done, particularly has done uh, a very good job at at shooting these down. But some of the rationale that we hear uh, from the MAGAverse or maybe people who are just shy of the MAGAverse, defending Donald Trump. Uh, Don't cut it, I believe. I love your take on the first one that we always hear is, no, the Presidential Records Act lets Donald Trump do whatever he wants to do with presidential documents. Yeah, which which clearly is is just not true. It is clearly untrue. And, And this is where Bill Barr, I think, has been very clear as a textualist to say, read the bill that that legislation was specifically passed so that presidents could not walk out the door with critical pieces of, uh, of national security information or, or, or things that didn't belong to them. So th- that doesn't hold up. I think what's more disturbing, though, is listening to these rationalizations that essentially, you know, you know, want to treat a former president as if he is untouchable, that there are no limits on his power. I mean, mm. we yeah. throw around words like authoritarian a lot, but you have some of these uh, supporters, you know, people in, in the MAGA world who are are adopting a very expansive view of presidential power and the immunity that presidents and former presidents should have. I mean, almost literally they are saying 
that a president and a former president should be above the law. And I think that really ought to disturb people, not in the short term, but in the long term. Because what happens if a political party begins to believe that? Sure. Uh, And of course, maybe we hear more often, uh, oh, well, Donald Trump may have taken some documents, but oh, how about Hillary, right? Or Joe Biden had him in his garage, and Mike Pence had him in Mm -hmm. who knows where in Indiana. The whataboutism argument. Well, this is like the World Series of Whataboutism. And those are very, very effective uh, one-liners. I mean, you're you're a veteran of politics. You know they're very, very convenient. Because then, you know, others have to explain in some greater detail that really, no, um, those are completely different cases. This is an obstruction of justice case. Uh, You know, this is ignoring uh, a, a federal grand jury subpoena. If Donald Trump would have just given the documents back, uh, yeah. there, no, there would have been no charges, but he didn't. And, mm-hmm. and this is where we're, again, I was like, I can't, can't believe I'm doing this. You know, Bill Barr is, makes an important point that this, he's not a victim here. This is a crisis and a case of his own making. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but the whataboutism is, is a, a very powerful political tool. And the other tool that they're using is, uh, and this is one Asa Hutchinson said we ought to drop, weaponization, right? Weaponization of the DOJ, weaponization uh, of the FBI, which was kind of undercut by the Washington Post headline on Monday Mm -hmm. (laughs) that Merrick Garland, in fact, sat on this for a year because he didn't want it to look, didn't want to go after Donald Trump because he didn't want it to look political. Well, Bill, I, I've said frequently that that irony um, was, was has been murdered by hammers years and years ago. But the, absolutely, you know, at, at this moment when all the Republicans are in fuego, saying that the Department of Justice is on this jihad, you know, it is coming after us. It is, you know, it, it is biased against Republicans. We get this deep dive from the Washington Post that would suggest that if anything, the FBI was very reluctant, was dragging its feet. That Merrick Garland. Uh, was more concerned with depoliticizing the Department of Justice than aggressively pursuing that. But, you know, I think we've, in the last seven years, we've learned, uh, you know, an- enough with that logic, enough with the facts. <laughs> it's just, it, it seems to be kind of missing missing the point here. But I, I think the, the the strangest thing to watch, though, and we've seen the pattern before, is is the projection. So Donald Trump is saying that the Department of Justice is coming after me you know, politically. You know, that they have weaponized the Department of Justice. And in return, he then says, but if I'm elected president, yeah. I I will, in fact, you know, be, be <laughs> the, oh, oh, I will strip it of all of its independence. And very explicitly, right. I will weaponize the Department of Justice to go mm-hmm. after Joe Biden, my political opponent, and his whole family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. we've been warned. It's very clear. <laughs> right. Yeah. He said, I will appoint a special prosecutor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Forget, forgetting yeah. that. Presidents and, and, don't appoint special prosecutors. At least they didn't used to appoint special prosecutors. Well, no. what makes anyone think that a, a Trump 2.0 would observe any of those norms or that a special prosecutor would have any independence whatsoever? I mean, so what what the, what the Republican Party is doing is, is very explicitly embracing the weaponization of the Justice Department while, while pretending to be outraged about the non-existent weaponization of the Department of Justice. Right. So we have a, for the first time ever, uh, a former president charged with federal crimes, uh, 37 counts, um, most of them under the Espionage Act. Uh, and yet from the White House, 
President Joe Biden has said absolutely nothing about it. Is that the right strategy? Yes and no. <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's probably uh, the correct strategy that Joe Biden himself not talk about it. But I think that it is not the right strategy then to order the uh, DNC and his surrogates not to talk about it. I mean, this is going to be uh, this is going to be the elephant in the room throughout the 2024 campaign. And, you know, once again, we see sort of the asymmetrical warfare of politics, because trust me, if uh, it was reversed, there's no way that the Republican National Committee and Republican elected officials would not be talking about a Joe Biden indictment. So at some point, they're going to have to talk about it. They will get no points for not talking about it. I do understand why Joe Biden himself probably won't talk about it. But there are a lot of other voices out there that should be saying, look, look at this moment we are in right now, America. We are you know, facing this real, and I'm sorry to use, overuse the term existential, but this is a real existential threat to uh, liberal constitutional democracy. If in fact, somebody who is uh, defeated, disgraced, twice impeached, tw you know, and indicted, and perhaps convicted of a felony, uh, returns to power, pledging to pardon all of the people who have broken the law with him. This is, this is an emergency moment, and you better talk about it, because most of the things that uh, you folks want to talk about um, are not at the top of the agenda and are not going to be driving uh, the, the swing voters in 2024. Uh, so maybe this is the answer, uh, Charlie. Maybe uh, if we are not happy with either Donald Trump or Joe Biden, maybe we should just come up with another candidate, an independent candidate uh, out there. You know, there are some people, as you and I know, who are talking about that. Um, let's take a quick break here on the uh, Bill Press Pod and come back and talk about the so-called no labels effort. Our guest again, Charlie Sykes. We'll be right back. Today's podcast brought to you by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Yes, those good men and women, 1.3 million working men and women strong members of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone. They service all of us in many, many different ways at our big retail stores like Nordstrom and Macy's. The people that take care of us at our great grocery chains like Safeway and Whole Foods. Those on the front line in our meat and poultry processing plants, chemical plants, and cannabis plants. We thank the men and women of the UFCW for their great work taking care of all of us Americans. And we thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Go to their website, check it out at ufcw.org. You'll be amazed at all the good causes they're involved in. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? 
maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back on the Bill Press Pod. Uh, today's guest, Charlie Sykes, who is editor-in-chief of The Bulwark. Again, uh, I encourage all of you uh, to check it out and uh, sign up for The Bulwark. Uh, you will be addi- as addicted to it as I am. Charlie Sykes, also a former radio talk show host uh, like me, and you see him often on MSNBC, especially Morning Joe. Uh, Charlie, welcome back. Tell everybody how they can find The Bulwark. Uh, just Let's get a shameless plug out there. It, it is thebulwark.com. Um, you have to have the word the, thebulwark.com. Uh-huh. And of course, uh, if, if you join you know, Bulwark Plus, you have access to all of our podcasts, all of our newsletters. Although I will tell you, Bill, a uh, dirty little secret, most of our stuff is free. My newsletter is free, <laughs> The Morning Shots. Uh, my, the daily uh, p- podcast is, is also free. But we have, we have a whole host of things uh, that are available. And I think part of it is also just if you want to be part of a community that is pushing back against the insanity. You are not the you are not the crazy ones these days. That's <laughs> yeah, and the extra stuff is worth signing up for and paying for. So we see no labels, right, Charlotte? Now, mm-hmm. look, um, maybe there's a case to be made for uh, another, a third choice, uh, an independent candidate. Is now the time to pursue that? No, it's not. Um, and I, but I have to say, I understand the. Are impulse. you worried about it? Yes, and I think people ought to be worried about it. Uh, I'm I'm not exactly sure what their real agenda is, um, and I'm, you know, I, I could be polite about this or I could be direct. I'm I'm kind of concerned that it's this 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 grift that is taking advantage of people who I think have legitimate concerns about the duopoly in American politics. Um, I get questions all the time about the possibility of third parties. I like the idea of having different choices, but if 2024 is a choice between Donald Trump and someone else, then a third party candidate could be enough to flip the election. And and I think the people need to be realistic about that. So, yeah, if you live in, you know, in California or Maryland and you want to throw your vote away on a third party, fine, it's not going to make any difference. But I live in Wisconsin. And if you live in uh. Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania or Georgia, and you play around with that. That's how you get a another Trump, uh, another Trump term. And then the, 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 the no labels folks have been warned about this again and again. And I'm not sure that uh, they put out. I mean, Bill, you've been around politics a long time. They put out a map recently where they showed how there was a path to 270 electoral votes by an independent candidate. It was pure delusion, hmm. pure delusion. And unfortunately, um, it's the kind of delusion that misleads uh, donors. And mm-hmm. I think people of you know goodwill um, who are being uh, l- led down what, what could be a politically dangerous path. Uh, you know, you said you don't want, didn't want to be too direct. Um, um, I don't either. <laughs> but I have to say, it reminds me of Steve Bannon soaking money, uh, you know, getting money out of people to pay for the big wall, right? 
which most of it went into his pocket and the pockets of his consultants. Correct. Uh, is that is that an unfair parallel, at least to suggest maybe this is what's going on? No, that's in the back of my mind. Um, you know, as I watch them grow and metastasize, exactly what is what is the agenda here? Do you really honestly believe uh, that uh, you can elect a third party candidate? That's not going to happen. Look, I, look, I understand. I mean, I, I understand why people um, are you know, look with dread at a rerun of Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, you know, and they would love to have an opt out. Well, that's not what's on offer here. I mean, we don't always get to choose, you yeah. know, the army that we go to, to war with here. And there's the, you know, I wish that I had a unicorn in my driveway, but I don't, and it's not going to happen. So I think this is where you have to have that realistic moment. Um, so I, I think what this group is doing is, is it's exploiting People who want a real alternative, but are not um, not moored enough to the actual reality of what's going to happen next year. Right. Um, I just looked back uh, this morning, Charlie, getting ready for our, our conversation. Mm -hmm. So in 20, you, you mentioned you live in Wisconsin, key yeah. state, right? Could easy, yes. easily flip mm -hmm. either way. In 2020, Joe Biden won six out of seven states by where the margin was three points or less, right? Mm -hmm. And they were yes. Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Michigan. 79 electoral votes, right? A third-party candidate on the ballot in those seven states? It could be all over. Absolutely. Right? And in, 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 the, in those states that you just mentioned will be the ones that will determine the, the, uh, the next president of the United States. There's just no question about it. And these margins are very, very thin. And I certainly also remember back in 2016 when Donald Trump won Wisconsin, that if you added up the number of votes that, uh, you know, the Green Party candidate got, uh, you mm -hmm. know, you, 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 you saw what the margin was. So there are times when I think it's OK. To you know, basically say I don't want to. I don't want to vote for the two major candidates. I want to go vote for the Libertarian Party. I want to vote for the Green Party candidate. Whatever. This is not that moment. <laughs> this this is not the moment. Uh, um, you know, when when the country is having the heart attack, uh, is is not the time when you want to you know book the vacation to Seven Flags. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the other question about them is, do you have any idea who they're talking about? As a candidate, I mean, we know Joe Lieberman is one of their co-chairs. We know Larry yeah. Hogan is one of their co-chairs. Yeah. Uh, ben Chavez, uh, yeah. former head of the NAACP, yeah. smart guy. Yeah. But any idea, they, they say they're going to have a Republican and a Democrat on the ticket. Are they really talking about Joe Manchin? I think they are. I don't know. I mean, is he it going to be? He could win in yeah. Wisconsin. I mean, in West Virginia, probably. <laughs> well, see, the, and of course, that's the scary thing is because he can't win in West Virginia that he might figure I have nothing to lose. I'm going to run and do this. Um, as, as you've no doubt noticed over the years, there are a lot of reasons why people run for president um, and including people who are not actually running for president. <laughs> they're, uh, they're running yeah. for something else or they, they want to get a book deal or they want to get a TV gig or, or they want to get uh, you know, bigger speakers fees or they want to be vice president. So unfortunately, there are a lot of incentives for people to run for president other than actually being president. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Donald Trump, by the way, expected he was going to be president. I mean, you know, uh, speaking uh, of a guy that, yeah. that, uh, that might've had mixed motives. <laughs> which I think he said at the time, right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> One of them was to make money. Uh, well, let's talk about the people who are running for president for 2024 on the Republican side. Um, which of them do you think 
are serious. You mentioned that Chris Christie doesn't have a shot doing an important job. I think you and I would agree doesn't have a shot. Uh, who does have a shot? Well, okay. H- having said that he doesn't have a shot, I want to just also underline the fact that I said he, he could be the most consequential candidate. So I'm extremely yep, interested right. in, in, in watching him. And I think that he could make a difference, including um, breaking up this field and encouraging other people to get in. So mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. uh, was a you know, grotesquely overhyped candidate who's proven to not have the political skills that I think is ne- that will be necessary to win this election. I mean, the guy... You know, he's not just an asshole on television. You know, he doesn't just play one. He really is one. And I think that he's paying a price for all of that. I think that, you know, he he seems like he's uh, utterly inauthentic, uh, you know, spouting the same talking points over and over again. I don't see a path for Mike Pence because Mike Pence just can't decide who he wants to be. He's like walking cognitive dissonance, uh, which is why he's in, still in single digits. So I wonder whether or not if... Trump stumbles and there is this perception that DeSantis is failing to launch, whether you might have someone else enter this race. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the possibility of a Glenn Youngkin or a Brian Kemp, uh, both of whom I think would be very plausible candidates, but they're not in. So Right. right now we have a lot of wannabes. We have people who are running for vice president like Tim Scott, people who are running for bigger speakers fees like Nikki Haley. Uh, people who are, I don't know what the hell this Vivek is running for. Um, but uh, it, it's its hard for me to see who, who that most plausible candidate is going to be at this point. It might also be a Chris Sununu who has sec- second thoughts, right? If he sees uh, a- an opening. It might be, um, but I'm just not sure how um, how that works. Uh, you know, and I think one of the things to remember is how fast all this happens when it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, people keep yeah. saying, "Well, there's a lot of time," but you have Iowa, boom; New Hampshire, boom; South Carolina, boom, and uh, and then it's off. Um, the, the 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 Trump uh, nomination 2016 was an illustration of how fast that can happen, and. From the point of view of Republicans, what they ought to be most worried about is that the nomination will be over before Donald Trump's felony mm. trials take place. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have actually <laughs> speculated that imagine if Donald Trump shows up here in Milwaukee for the Republican National Convention wearing an ankle bracelet. <laughs> uh, James Comey also shared that thought. And uh, yeah, but that could happen. And by that time kind of hard to get out of it right isn't it like, it's like very hard to get out of it because he's <laughs> he's not ever gonna see the problem with donald trump is he will never concede and he will never drop out graciously there's no exit strategy that that you can count on for donald trump i mean and this is a problem for republicans and i think one of the reasons why there's kind of this this anxiety is like you know you can't win with him but you can't win without him if he burns the house down on the way out right yeah yeah so um, we have seen, and I must say, I find this amusing, um, a, a case where the Republican Party has started to move away from Donald Trump. Uh, in the last couple of days, the uh, Ron McDaniel, the head of the RNC, has said that they're going to do now a massive effort for mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, Charlie. I thought Donald mm-hmm. Trump said these were all crooked and fraudulent, Right. But, yeah, they, uh, they can't is, make up their minds. Yeah. yeah. This is one case where I think it really hurt the Republican Party's chances. 
you agree? Oh, I think so. And I think that that's what reason why they're making this uh, this pivot here is because all around the country, you, you have the local chairman saying, you know, discouraging our people from voting early was disastrous, <laughs> was a disastrous uh, own goal, um, particularly since you had Republicans that had built up an infrastructure of early voting for years. And then Donald Trump comes along and essentially dismantles it. So that, that worked out well for them. Yeah. Uh, just anecdotally, I have to tell you, you know, at one time I was Democratic state chair of California. We knew that we were we were we lost the we called it the absentee ballot vote. Right. Because mm -hmm. Republicans were so good at it. we knew yeah. that they would win that. And so we focused all of our intention. We had to on getting out the vote. GOTV, we called it right on Election Day. Right? right. Because mm -hmm. we knew we couldn't keep up with Republicans on absentee ballots. And then reversed. they gave that they gave that <laughs> advantage away, which I thought was just monumentally crazy. Well, it was and it was so it was destructive. And you can see what happened in Georgia. And I think that obviously, you, have, you know, even Republicans who won't speak out against Donald Trump are willing to say, you know, this strategy is uh, not effective for us. Right. I mean, the reality today is with absentee voting, uh, for where you don't have to have a doctor's excuse or whatever, you know, you just you just prefer to vote by mail. But some mail-in ballots, the combination of that and and early voting, right? We now have to talk about election season, right? yeah. not election right. day. That that's right, and it goes on. In, it depends which state you're in, how long it goes on. So that that changed a lot of the calculations. I think those there's a lot of there's a lot of punditry that sort of ignores that. I think unfortunately. Well, Charlie, say we live in uh, historic times, indeed. I mean, we've never seen anything like what we're dealing with uh, every, every day now, right? And Uncharted I, territory. And I look forward to less interesting times sometime in our future. <laughs> <laughs> we share, we share that. Yeah, let's get back to a little, a little boredom, huh? Okay. All right, Charlie. Exactly. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for joining us. And again, congratulations on the bulwark. We'll send you. everybody your way, and we'll talk again soon. Hey, this was great, Bill. Thanks a lot. And that's it for today's podcast with Charlie Sykes. Again, encourage you to go to thebulwark.com and sign up. You'll be glad you did. Uh, I can't uh, imagine starting the day without first reading uh, Charlie Sykes' morning shots on The Bulwark and all the rest of the stuff is really good to sign up for as well. And thank you for signing up for the Bill Press Pod. We will be back on Friday, as always, with our roundtable with three top political reporters to uh, catch us up to date on all the news of the week from Washington and the political news around the country. Have a great week, folks. We'll see you on Friday, the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. <laughs>